Moving right along, I thought we just uh, got cut off by a phone call, so I might as well just keep it going. And to move on to part two of the Sri Kena Upanishad, let's just recap there. Shiva asked some pretty deep questions to Brahma, who, in one sense, is kind of like Shiva's father, acts as Shiva's father. And he's asking these questions because he thinks that Brahma will be able to help him out. And these are the kind of questions that he knows that people are going to be asking. These are the kind of questions that everybody asks. When, when you go back there, the first questions he's asking is, you know, who's directing, who's directing us towards our desires, basically? I don't know if he's asking who's desiring that would be a different question. I think he's asking who is directing the desires, which could possibly say that there's two people, one directing and one acting out the uh, perception. But these are deep questions and they were deep answers. So let's move on to part two. Brahma is still speaking. And he says to Shiva, if thou thinkest I know him well, then little indeed dost thou comprehend the Supreme Spirit. Investigate, therefore, the form of him that dwells within thee and the demigods, and then, I think, will he be known to thee. I do not think I know him well, but neither do I say I know him not at all. One among us who thinks I fully comprehend him does not know him, while one who thinks I do not fully comprehend him knows him indeed. One who thinks that the Supreme Being is inconceivable is correct in his opinion, and one who thinks he is conceived of him knows not. Those who think themselves realized are not realized. Those who do not think themselves realized are realized. One who knows the Lord by dint of realized knowledge attains to immortality. By self-exertion, one attains steadfastness, and by cultivating transcendental knowledge, one attains eternal life. If one came to know the Supreme Being while in this world, then he would attain to the highest good. But ignorance of him results in great calamity. Perceiving him to reside in the hearts of all beings, the wise become immortal on quitting this world. That is the end of part two. And what really stood out to me was what we just hit on mantra number four. I think it, it realizing what this is saying, I think it warrants a little explanation and feel free to write to me and we can even talk about our difference of opinion if you do have a difference of opinion in this. But Brahma says, one who knows the Lord by dint of realized knowledge attains to immortality. What is he saying there for us lay people out here? Is he saying that Somehow, that if you think about things, what he's calling realized knowledge, 
if somehow you engage your mind in this realized knowledge, all of a sudden your body becomes immortal and tomorrow you starting right now, you don't lose any skin cells and everything just stays the way it is from the minute you start thinking realized knowledge. I think everybody would agree that sounds kind of foolish. And especially the sages, because what the sages are saying when they listen to this and they pass down this conversation to us, the sages are seeing this as the person, not the body. So the person is attaining immortality, not the body. And although this might seem like uh, if Phenob Das might be listening, this might seem like something we both understand, but if we understood this, I don't think uh, we would have so many gurus coming to this world to help us to understand it. I think it's such a profound misunderstanding that we have material life because there might be a little bit that we still don't get about this, that we're not the body. And it's the devotees that understand this that can really come to this world and do a real sacrifice because they are willing to sacrifice. And they're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. And so what they're saying in that sentence isn't that the body will last forever. It's that the person who is coming upon this realized knowledge, the same knowledge being passed from Brahma to Shiva, that person is attaining what is real immortality, which would be not being shook up when you're dying. Because if there's one thing that separates us from an experience, it's stress and mental perturbation. So we have to, if we're gonna, we have any chance of getting, getting into the, the heaviest experiences in life, like life being born or being killed or dying, then it's imminent that we have a cool mind. And the people with the coolest minds, the coolest heads in this world, we say head because it's a, it's a modern dogma to think that all cognitive function is occurring inside the cranium. But it's quite funny that we have more nerve endings in our stomach than we do in our cranium. So it would, anyway, it would seem that there's probably more of a balance of the mind throughout the body, but especially through the gut and the head. So the mind, the mind is not going to be immortal. The body is not going to be immortal. But the person is who they're referring to. And the person, according to the sages, is not the mind. The person is not the body. The person is not even the aura or the quote-unquote energy, as people like to call. That is not the person. If that were the person, then Krishna's statements in the Gita would become null. And Krishna states some very heavy things when he talks about the soul. And he describes the soul as something that's in no way material. So there is no 
energy to the soul. Energy is material. This is something else. And uh, if you guys do follow science, then, you know, you get into energies. And it is a fact that some of the biggest contracting biotech companies right now are trying to study the physics side. Their physicists are studying because they've determined there are at least two more energies in the universe that we are ignorant of. Two more. And I would say there's a number of energies more than that. But these are all fun subjects. And I felt it was necessary to go back to Nuancha 4 to point out that immortality is a very specific thing they are trying to talk about. Just as I said in the first one, this is why I like to go into the details and why we're going to take it slow. Because if I could pass over that and someone understands some kind of immortality as they speak with uh, the author of the Emerald Tablets, or for example, or even, uh, who is the name? There is a, anyway, there are people that have been able to prolong the life of their body. That's not what's being referred to here. Immortality means the person who animates the body. And yes, Shiva, like everybody else, is interested in this. So, if you're interested, then I think part three will be even more fun. Till then, have a good one.